Welcome back to the Forging Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Trudell, and you know what day it is, Freedom Friday, where I bring on a special guest who has success in entrepreneurship, and we share their journey. And today I have a cool guest. His name is Zach Thanasilankul. Hopefully I pronounced that right. It's a, a Thai last name. And Zach and I met through the Coaches You, Lucas Rubix's marketing and coaching program. And Zach immediately struck me as a guy who is very outgoing, has a lot of initiative, he's a go-getter, and he's already had a lot of success in his own business, and we've had tons of conversations over Messenger, over dinner. He just recently moved to Medellin and has become a digital nomad, so that's been pretty exciting. And he just has a lot to share with the world. He's got a lot of optimism, a lot of positivity, and he's someone with really big dreams and really big desires, and he's not afraid to talk about it. A lot of people, they want to hide their dreams, not really talk about it. Zach's like, no, I'm going to go do that thing. And I have no doubt in my mind he will. So if you're a new entrepreneur, this is going to be great to listen to. Keep in mind uh, a little bit of tech errors. When we recorded this, the mic that I put on Zach, his necklace was banging into it. So there'll be a small noise. If that really bugs you, I'm sorry. Um, It won't happen again. I'm going to order some new mic equipment. So everything's gonna run more smoothly when we do in-person meetings. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. What's up? What's up? Pleasure to be here. I'm talking to you, the camera. To the camera. Um, Zach has recently become a digital nomad. He comes from a background of of being an agency owner. And now you've just stumbled upon the life of digital nomadism, right? Through the form of coaching and consulting? Yeah, I guess so. I'd say that like coaching was kind of my avenue to be able to work from anywhere, to travel from anywhere. And actually like feel good about doing it it's I think it's one thing to be able to like I can work from anywhere but I'm working 80 hours a week and I never see anything you know I feel like with coaching I have a more time freedom as well as the location freedom they go together and that creates a great lifestyle and what do you think was what was your lifestyle before when you were working for the agency you were obviously making good money but did you feel like something was missing did you did you even know about this life yeah yeah I, I guess here's the thing, right? I was academic, I was in grad school, and I finished that. I had gotten furloughed from two jobs. I was teaching at a school. I was um, uh, kind of directing an initiative at a cafe. Got furloughed from those jobs, finished my dissertation, and was like, okay, what now? After eight years in school, um, literally never had never considered what I could do with my life um, until, until the day I had to figure it out. And so I started freelancing. That grew into an agency, kind of common scaling route. And uh, I think what was missing first was fulfillment in the work, right? For me, work is such a big part of who I am and my calling. And I feel like some people are very um, post-work economy, things like that. I feel like I'm called to work, um, but I feel like I'm called to do fulfilling work. And the agency wasn't doing that for me. I felt like, uh, you know, I really specialize in helping entrepreneurs at the founder stage. And so we would go in we'd kind of like outsource their marketing department, right? We'd kind of take everything over and then we'd leave and maybe back to square one. And that didn't really feel right uh, for me. 
And so I had some consulting experience in school and some other jobs that I had had. And um, kind of that's how I stumbled into the coaching model is kind of from the consulting avenue. And from there it was like, okay, now the work is fulfilling. Then I started focusing on the rest of my life. Okay, now how do I give myself time independence instead of working 80 hours a week? Now that I can do this kind of from anywhere and feel fulfilled, well, where is anywhere, right? And so that's how the, the questions started trickling. Make sense? Yeah, totally. And you stumbled upon Columbia, why? You know, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. I had uh, I'd been in New York for 13 months. And let me just say, um, something I always used to speak over myself was that I always used to tell people, I just don't think I'm the type of person that would ever feel at home anywhere. Um, I love my hometown, but it's been a long time since I really identified it as my home. And I lived a lot of different places in the US, but I, um, you know, it wasn't really home for me. And then I found New York and I was like, oh my God, I feel like all of history and civilization has conspired to create this place just for me. You know, absolutely my home forever. Um, and, and I can't wait to move back. But um, I had been there for 13 months finally started to settle in. Um, I had been healing from a, a huge breakup, so I had started dating again. I had been making friends. I was involved in music and activism and all these things that I, had, I loved. I had a great workout routine and my life was set. Um, I had no plans on leaving. And then I just started seeing like what I would call signs in the universe, right? I just kind of started feeling more and more spiritually guided, like maybe that's a sign right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the light going out is a sign. Yeah, it's like a... Um, talking about the spirit in here. Yeah, we'll keep the lighting like that. Cool, right. Um, so I started seeing these signs from the universe um, and started thinking, okay, like, I don't know where I feel called to go. I just feel called to, like, go abroad almost. And as a childhood dream, I always had. You know, my family were never well off. I always wanted to travel the world. I saw all my friends do it. We I never got the opportunity to do that. Um, and so, like, this is my first time outside the United States. And... Um, you know, some, you know, I hear some things about Medellin. I hear some things, of course, like Bali comes up in these conversations and stuff like that. I have family in Thailand, so that was a natural fit for me. Um, and so one day I'm on the subway in New York and I'm thinking, you know, I read something about Colombia or something. I'm like, what about Colombia? Like, I love Latin music. Um, I love to dance. I love salsa. I had like a bass line in Spanish. It's like, what about Colombia? And literally the train stops as I'm having this thought doors open and I get out and there is a, there's like an advertisement in the subway station. Can, I, can you not lean on the chair because yeah, it'll totally. squeak? Cool. Totally, totally. So I had, um, uh, I, there was like an advertisement and I think it was for like Monday, the project management tool or something. And it was a cartoon and these, these guys huddled around a crystal ball and it said, we're calling the marketing department. And my agency, we're basically an outsourced marketing department. And someone had just spray painted over it, literally right in front of the door in the subway as I'm having this thought. Someone just spray painted the word Colombia. Really? Uh, yeah. That's the story. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was like weird. I was like, okay, what, you know, classic Zach. I was like, what a coincidence, you know? <laughs> and so um, a few days later, I'm just, you know, I'm still thinking these things. And by this time, I'm like, I know that when my apartment lease is up, I need to go. I just don't know where. Um, and I didn't want to go. I was fighting this for I was like the story of Jonah and the whale. I was like, I really don't, I really don't want to leave New York. I just got here. I love it. This is my home forever. Like I'm, you know, seeing this girl now. I was like, why would I leave? And uh, I would take the same route to work every day, exact same time. And um, this one day I had seen like this art gallery opened. Uh, Orchard Street, for those of you who know the Lower East Side, is a famous for a lot of art galleries. And this art gallery had just opened out of nowhere. I had never seen it coming in or whatever. It just opened. Um, and I walked to work at 7.30 in the morning too. Art galleries are usually shuttered up. And um, the whole wall 
of this art gallery, there's one single sign on the whole wall, and it's just a plaque with one word. It says Medellin. Yeah, right? And then the art gallery closed the next week. I never saw it open again. I was like, okay, I'm going to move to Medellin and see what happens. And that's what led me here. And it's been uh, nine weeks, I think. I think it's it's really weird because there are, I mean, all humans can either choose to believe in symbolism or not. And and I have definitely, yeah. uh, the more I've opened up to, to a spiritual nature, the more I've been able to, to grasp onto something that's calling me. Yeah. And Medellin was very much similar. I, I mean, I didn't have something that blatant, but, it, but literally <laughs> smack me in the face. <laughs> yeah. My, my choice to come here was based on the water because it has yeah, clean right. water. Yeah, yeah. And, and my, I was making my choices based on my health at the time. And I literally showed up here and it was the most healing place I could ever make it to. So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. If you don't, if you ignore those signs, you'll never really know what, what they yeah. meant. I've heard some other spiritual people and things like that say that, um, once you learn to start seeing opportunities, it just explodes. They're all around you, you know? And I was definitely not one of them. You know, I grew up in a very religious household, but I think it wasn't um, productive. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, and I had closed myself off from that. I'd been like, okay, there's no such thing as these things, or I'm not fit to see them, whatever. And then 2021 has really been the year of my spiritual awakening. Um, I start every year off with seven days, uh, just, just water. Um, and a little bit of salt, no food or anything. I spend like four to six hours a day in meditation and I just had all these visions about 2021 is gonna be so different for me. I mean, I had no idea what that would mean, like going out of the country and the business and, and meeting cool people like yourself and things like that. Um, train of thought left the, left the station. Um, but yeah, point being, Symbolism. yeah, I started seeing more and more signs and there's more and more opportunities in business, in life, in my relationships. And now I'm at the point where like, wow, like I understand really, I think I'm starting to understand what people mean by like uh, abundance and seeing mm. it all around is like, this shit really does surround us. You just gotta kind of open your eyes and see it. Um, like open the third eye or how, however you wanna say it, you know? And like you just start to see those things and it's like, wow, this is like, what an abundant and rich life we live, full of opportunity. I'd be a fool not to grab onto something. Yeah. You, know? you feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people say, there's a quote wherever you go there you are so people say like if you change your yeah. environment it's not going to help but i actually disagree with that because for me i felt so stuck in the environment i was in although yeah, completely although you have to change who you are uh, regardless of your environment that's very important like it, if you're going to be in war you still got to know how to fight regardless of where you are and to yeah. be able to adapt but i felt so stuck being in a place that was not inspiring to me anymore so just to switch of being in a new environment like this, being surrounded by really cool people, it allowed the potential to unlock just a little bit more oh, so I could sure. take the action. For sure, dude. Yeah, I'm thinking about, um, I learned this from Peter Schallard, uh, known as the Shrink for Entrepreneurs. Shrink for Entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's great. He runs his, uh, well, he runs his counseling practice, but then he also has uh, this business called Commit Action. Super, super great dude, super sharp. Um, but he, he's not the person who came up with this, but he took it from somewhere, I don't remember where, but it was like, in order to enact change in your life, you have to go through levels, and it has to go in order, and the base is like environment. It's like environment, capabilities, beliefs, identity, stuff like that, and it's like, but good luck trying to change your identity if you're stuck in the same environment, right? Good luck trying to up-level your skills and your capabilities if your environment's holding you back, right? And before New York, I'd lived in Denver um, and had a really rough grad school experience. I was in a... Um, a relationship that just went a little too long, you know what I mean? And, uh, 
you know, I, I was definitely held back by the environment. And I had no, I, you know, I decided to move to New York on like a two-week notice. You know, I literally, I was living with my partner at the time. And I was like, hey, like, I think I want to move to New York. She's like, yeah, is that like your five-year plan? I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to go in two weeks. And, and I went, didn't have a place to live, nothing. Did, I didn't own a car. I just rented a vehicle, found a place to live as I was loading the vehicle. And, um, and, I, and I was off, you know. I had no idea how much that was going to unlock for me. And then coming here too, it's been just over two months. It's like, you know, like, I want to reiterate that I, I took the, I took the opportunity and I chose to see the spiritual signs, but I didn't want to leave New York at all. There's a lot, there's still resistance. Every day I'm here, beautiful. I walk out on my balcony, I meet cool people, um, I do amazing things and I'm like, ah, oh, but I'm not in New York, right? I mean, it's funny how the mind works like that, you know? Is it because you're identified with New York? Oh yeah, yeah, I feel like I, I walked off the plane in New York. I had never been to New York before I moved there. And uh, I, super impulsive. <laughs> yeah, very impulsive, and, very uh, NFP. I walked, <laughs> for sure, for sure. I walked off the plane. First, in Colorado, a big thing is I never felt welcome. Colorado markets itself as like the most welcoming place on earth and I found it to be the opposite. Just my, really? it was just my own um, experience. I know lots of people feel completely the opposite. So that's just a subjective experience. But I walked off the plane, um, I think I flew into JFK or Newark or something like that. And um, I saw a billboard that said, some New Yorkers are born, some New Yorkers are made, welcome home. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, Th That's right. a great marketing yeah. slogan yeah, yeah. right there. But then coming to Medellin too, it's like I didn't, I didn't know anything about Colombian culture. I grew up in a strong Hispanic community, but it was very predominantly Mexican outside of Chicago. And um, I didn't know anything about Colombia. I didn't know anyone here. Like I, I knew salsa basically, and a little bit of Spanish. That was what I knew. And I came here and it's like, it's kind of the same thing. I didn't see a billboard like that, but the people here, I mean, you know, are remarkably welcoming, hospitable. Thai people, we have a reputation for being the most hospitable people in the so world. Yeah, right. But, um, <laughs> but man, it's hard to imagine that any place beats the people here. It's so special. I feel so welcome here. And it's already, in just nine weeks, I've already leveled up so much. And I can't wait to see, you know, by the time my visa runs out, I'm going to be a whole different person, you know? How... How would you describe these levels that you've you've leveled up in? As is, it, is, is it out of the comfort zone? Uh, well, I won't put any more words in your mouth, but <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, let, let me let me say it like this: When I moved to New York, something I always told people when I met people, people were like, "How do you like in New York?" Whatever, I say, in New York, you can be anyone you want to be do anything you want to do, whatever. The person I always wanted to be was just myself. And I never felt like I could do that. And that's an internal thing, right? Sure. But in New York, that unlocked it. And I feel like New York made me twice the person I was when I came. And so when I left, I said, before I come back, I'm going to be twice the person when I left. So then when I come back, New York made me twice the person when I came. And so when I come back, I'm going to be twice the person as when I left. And then it's a similar in Medellin. It was like, I, I say that analogy to say like, New York gave me permission to be myself. I feel like Medellin gave me permission to become something greater than myself, Ooh. you know? And so my intention, um, yeah, I, I've been being a little reserved about this, but I really aggressive goals for 2022, uh, mainly in the business. And I've kind of been thinking, what does it look like to step into the person I need to become to get that? And it's a whole different person, right? It's like Zach 2.0, I guess, you know? And I feel like in Medellin, it's like, okay, it's time. Like in New York, I became myself. In Medellin, I'm gonna become Zach 2.0. And what's next? I can't even imagine, but I'm, I'm here for it. Like, you know, and I'm just here for the 
I'm here for the ride. Like I gotta see what's on the other side of this. Maybe, maybe at the end of this entrepreneurship journey and living around the world and traveling and the people I meet and everything like that, maybe I'll end up broke and homeless in a box under, uh, yeah, you know, I doubt under that, the bridge. But... You know, maybe my life would just you know, accidentally die in some accident. Who knows? But I gotta see what's on the other side. You know, I can't live with myself if I don't. So that's been it here. That that's the beautiful thing about uh, embracing this journey. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is the amount of of strange crazy um, yeah life-changing experiences that are thrown at you that force you to think a, a different way even just just visiting another country alone if you don't want to move and, and be crazy like like the two crazy people you're watching right now on the screen um, you don't have to do that but if you just go and travel to another country for, for seven days, I guarantee you, you yeah. will not regret it unless you're like that guy on that Netflix show. Um, I think R Ricky Gervais like put one of his buddies who's the most <laughs> pessimistic person in the world, uh, traveling the world, yeah. and he just hates everything about travel. And it's, it's the funniest thing ever. Yeah, but even yeah. he gets forced into becoming a different person through totally. forcing yourself into experiences that you don't want to do. Yeah. And that show is so funny because he's just the epitome of somebody who would never do any of these things. <laughs> yeah. And he's forced into doing it. Totally, totally. I think something you said um, when we first met here stuck with me is that when it comes to digital nomadism specifically, any digital nomad you meet by necessity, by definition has the same mindset. Is we're gonna land somewhere and we're gonna figure it out, we're gonna be okay. Entrepreneurship is the exact same way, right? You don't have to be a digital nomad in order to cultivate that in your entrepreneurial life. Some people, I don't, maybe you relate to this. Um, if not, there's a bunch of people who do. Uh, you and I both know them who like, traveling and being a digital nomad is what unlocked those beliefs and that, that self-trust, that self-faith in order to make an entrepreneurship. For me, it's the other way around. I became an entrepreneur. I was like, okay, I have faith that no matter what, no matter what situation I'm in, I have the skill to figure it out. I'm sharp enough, I'll figure it out. I was like, oh, like, so for instance, if I land in a country where I don't know anyone, don't know anything, barely speak the language, et cetera, I'll be fine. What do you know? I'm fine. And I love it, you know, so. Yeah, and, and like you had the, you were telling Lucas about the experience with the crosswalk and then uh, I've had this experience too in Colombia. And I think in a lot of South America, they have the ability for you to pay with your debit card or your credit card. And you can actually pay a very small, very tiny interest fee uh, to pay your groceries that you just bought over six, 12 months if you want to. <laughs> yeah. And you get here and you're like, what the hell is that? And, and with yeah. your very limited Spanish, they keep asking you, horas, horas, and you're like, yeah. now, hour, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It was the Domino's delivery guy and uh, came to my apartment and uh, asked me, you know, um, you know, Cortes, how many, uh, how many months do I want to spread over? And it's like, for me, that was a big thing about it's Spanish. So foreign, yeah. yeah, it was like I, and I guess I didn't realize because I didn't have the experience traveling, but I get it now. Is like you can know the words and everything, but it's like so many, so much of the difficulty, if you choose to look at it that way. Um, as I'm starting to shed that, but is like cultural concepts. Yes. Right? For instance, um, I was uh, getting my eyes checked. I really need glasses, and um, the you know, it's like a 15 minute process that took three hours. Bless this woman's soul. Um, and you know, I'm so stubborn. I'm like, we're not gonna use Google Translate. She's like, all right, I don't have anything better to do, you know? Uh, but we get to, we finally get to the end and she's like, do you wanna pay all at once or do you wanna do it in, um, in installments? Well, here in Medellin, maybe this is a Colombian line thing, they use the word cancelar for a payment in full. And I'm like, so what? Cancelar. Cancelar, instead of pagar, cancel, like to cancel. 
And she's like, what I'm hearing basically in English is do you want to cancel the full payment or do you want to pay month by month? And I'm like, no, I want to pay the full payment. And we're going back and forth. We end up pulling out Google Translate. And of course it says cancel full payment or, and I'm like, no, no, I want to pay. One of her coworkers walks by and she leans over and she's like, uh, here, cancelar es pagar. And I was like, ah, uh, cultural con, you know, or like the Domino's guy, how, you know, how much do you want your interest spread out? I'm like, you're the pizza delivery dude. Like, why are you asking this question for? Isn't this like Chase Bank's responsibility? Like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's so many, so many fun cultural things, but um, as you know, the culture here is so bright and vibrant. It just makes it kind of fun, you know? Yeah, the the most beautiful thing I think about this country and the people is you get into a cab with a taxi driver and maybe in the States, you, you're of course going to get some good guys, but you also get some guys who hate their fucking life. <laughs> a lot of those guys. Here, <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's still some of those people, but for the most part, they're very present. They're enjoying the moment. Yeah. They're, they're not concerned that they're a taxi driver. Yeah. They're, they're just, that's who they are. Oh, that's it's, such, a, I just got chills when you say that, man. That's such a good way to put words to something I was... There's no competition. It's yeah. we're all Colombian. We love our culture. We love that yeah. foreigners are coming here. Um, yes, they call us gringos, but they love us. They, <laughs> yeah. Like they they love the fact that people like to travel to this country because that says that their country's awesome. Yeah, that's for the sure. way they see it. Whereas in other countries, I mean, I haven't been to France, but I know that French can be like, oh, if you if you're not adopting <laughs> our culture, then fuck you. Yeah. Here it's like. You're here, we love you, we'll invite yeah. you in to have some fun. Yeah. yeah, I was joking around on the podcast this morning that there's a holiday, it seems like every other week in Colombia, and it's like everything here is so festive. And people are just, what I've been saying is people just celebrate being alive. But mm. I love what you just said that, like if you're a taxi driver, like they're not concerned with that, right? There's like a, I don't wanna say a lack of concern with life, but you, you exactly know the feeling I'm trying to convey, you know? And it's like, the people here are just so, almost like focused on, I, I feel the like- The values like, are completely different. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's so cliche in America to say like, focus on what really matters, you know? But it's like, in Colombia, it's like, no one would say that because that's just the culture. That's just what they do, right? It's like, we just celebrate being alive. We just celebrate each other's humanity and being together. And places like, you know, Pergamino damn near every day. And I realize, like, why is it? And I realize I get so much positive affirmation when I'm there. I walk in, everyone's like, hey, like everyone knows my name. I've forgotten all of theirs by now. You know, usually it's the other way around. You know, everyone knows my name. Oh, it's bien. how's the new Airbnb? How's everything? Oh, you went to Chicago, you went to Denver. How is everything? You know, um, and it's, I mean, I feel like it's one thing to say like Pergamino is a cool place. There's literally every place here, except for customs and immigration. But besides that, it's every place here, you know? Um, everyone is so excited to make a new friend and just to welcome someone else into their culture blows my mind. But uh, I love it. I know that, you know, I know that my time here is going to be over before I know it. Um, I guess I know the date because I have a stamp on my passport. But, you know, by the time it runs out, I just feel like, man, will I be ready to go in six months? I don't know. It's really special here. That's, that's the thing that's... Uh, and if you guys are listening to this and you want to come here, don't come. Uh, if you're American, don't come here. Um, it, it sucks. But just like in Colorado, all the Californians are, are going to Colorado. Yeah. They have bumper Nothing here to say, see. Nothing, nothing is good about Colorado. Leave now. Um, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, this this culture, this country, the, the values are completely different. And all of my friends who are nomadic and go to other places, every time they come back, it's like... Oh, just, <laughs> yeah. it's so relieving because 
to be surrounded in a city that is covered in a forest yeah. It's like where where are you gonna find that anywhere else in the world? We are so disconnected from nature yeah. as is. Yeah. And and just to be in a place like this, it it, it breathes something different. And magical realism, uh, which yeah. which came from Gabriel, uh, I can't remember his last name. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Thank you. Hundred years of solitude. Yeah, hundred years of solitude. He's got all these books, but magical realism is is the not the belief, but the concept that was developed from this writing of, of being able to write something fictional, but bring it to life. And yeah. if he wasn't Colombian, I don't think it would exist because of, yeah. of the amount of, of magic that's in this country already. Yeah. I remember I was at, um, I think I was like the Natural History Museum in New York or something. And there was an, this is right before I was gonna move. And there was an exhibit on um, indigenous cultures in South America, kind of by country and region. Of course there was one in Colombia and there was a little thing about um, ayahuasca. There's a reason I'm saying this, but uh, there was an American, a quote from an American anthropologist who had come down here and taken ayahuasca and um, basically done like, you know, had lived for years among one of the indigenous tribes doing ethnography. And he said his message to other anthropologists is that we have seriously discounted the impact that ayahuasca and plant medicines have had on like the religious uh, beliefs and ideas and stuff of this culture. And I feel like by analogy, it's, it's the exact same thing. It's like we had until you come here or until you experience something similar it's like you don't it's easy to see why Gabo uh, which is what people here call Gabriel Garcia Marquez why he writes the way he does how could he not right you know um, I remember when I moved here I got you know um, first of all trying to figure out how to use the cajero in Espanol was ridiculous I didn't realize that the 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 decimal and the comma are mixed up. It, yeah. is, uh, it was a mess. I was trying to withdraw from accounts. I don't even, they don't even exist. Um, anyways, I got this cash and I'm in the airport and I see um, Gabo is on like the 10 or the 20 or something like that. And I'm like, you know, was so overjoyed. I was like, holy shit. Like I got rid of Garcia because is like on the money. In America, we only have slave owners on the money. <laughs> like, here is Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Like that is so cool, you know. And the rest the, of the money is really cool. The, the money on the... The Colombian currency is ridiculous. Yeah. It's so culturally rich. The Amazon snake woman yeah. and... Um, Butterflies. Yeah, anthropologists. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show that like Colombians celebrate... I don't want to say achievement in the American sense, but Colombians celebrate something worth living for. you know, And it's reflected on the money. It's reflected in the literature. It's reflected in... When you look outside the freaking window, you know, it's it's everywhere in this country. Um, so I couldn't be more thankful. I was telling my parents the other day, like I, I couldn't have chosen a better place to get the shock of moving out of the United States and trying to figure it out. Because um, this is probably like the softest landing pad I could have possibly it's, had. It's very, yeah. very soft. I, th I think one of the first countries I went to for traveling was, I mean, Australia, very Western. My sister lived there, not gonna have any problems. Then Thailand. That place, uh, if you want to get scammed and, and like bamboozled and all this stuff, go to Thailand. Because yeah. here it's completely different, in, in my opinion. Of yeah. course, there's still places that are going to have uh, people trying to, to maybe scam you out of a couple bucks. But in Thailand, it's like they, they have next level um, <laughs> scams. Yeah, my dad always says that my grandma, uh, my grandma lives in Konken, a little bit out of Bangkok end of a street has a little store and a huge room that's nothing but rice and my dad uh has joked all my life that she's a loan shark and i as i've gotten older i'm starting to think that that's actually probably true given what i know about her life and things like that is like 
feel like I probably come from a family of Thai loan sharks. But. Yeah, when my, when my buddies went there, um, really nice people greeted us. They, they tell us, we're going to take you on a tour to the temple that you guys want to go to, and, and we'll, we'll take care of you. Yeah. And, and so they take us in the tuk-tuk, and then they take us to, to the boat driver, and the boat driver is charging us like 15 bucks to get on the boat. Six months later, I'm at home on Instagram, and a girl who's from Thailand who speaks the language goes and travels there. Same exact guy on the Instagram, three dollars. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. And then after that, they, they take us to a travel agency and, and scam us <laughs> by doing that. That's That's how, they've got the experience down. You yeah, know? it's a whole process of scamming. And, they, and they're, they're all working together. It's great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a cultural bonding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, where are you at now in terms of, of, of being a, a nomad? Like, I mean, I don't even really identify with that because I've lived here for, for a year and a sure. half. Yeah. But I think... You're resident an, now. Yeah, as an entrepreneur, you're technically nomadic. If you can create enough wealth uh, to leverage your lifestyle, then that affords you the ability to travel, which makes you much more nomadic than anyone who's going to be working in a nine-to-five where the only time they're going to be able to travel is every two weeks out of the year or when they're 65 and they retire. Yeah. Yeah, so where, where am I at now in terms of that whole process, way of thinking, way of life? Or, or where do you think entrepreneurship has afforded you this ability? Maybe that's a better question. I think it all comes down to, um, I don't know if you hit record or not when you, when you said this, that entrepreneurship is like the quickest path to self-development, right? And I feel like I could have, I don't want to speak that over myself, but I was in a place where I could have never seen myself traveling and really rapidly improving my language skills and making friends in a country despite the language barrier and, and all these things that come with it. Um, I was just in a place where I didn't think that was ever available to me for a variety of reasons. I never thought I was gonna leave the United States despite having always wanted to, I thought I was just gonna die. Like, why, why didn't you think you would? Um, I would say the biggest thing there was money mindset. Um, so so let, let's go through that. Sure, what, what was going on in your mind then? Because we, we went yeah. through mentorship programs together based on, on abundance. Yeah. So, so where were you at? I mean, even, even before that program, we were both probably in a much different place than we are now. Yeah. Because if, if you're not aware of how you're thinking about money, it's just a normal. It's just yeah. a normal to believe that rich people are evil. And it's just a normal yeah. to believe that I got to live paycheck to paycheck. For so, sure. so where were you at? Yeah, and I'd never seen anything different. You know, I grew up just outside of Chicago, um, very economically depressed. Like my hometown is only well known for all the bad news, right? Higher homicide rate than Chicago proper. Like, you know, just so many bad statistics. And I, and I love my hometown. Um, it took a while for me to get there. But it's not the place where you see a lot of success, right? When I lived in New York, I lived um, first in Soho, and then I, when I moved out of Soho, I made sure my office stayed in Soho. And that's where like, you know, New York Fashion Week is there, and Prada, and Coach, and it's like, you have a Mercedes? Like, get that poor man shit out of here, you know? And it's like, I see Rolls Royces, and Bentleys, and Jags all the time, just like at Trader Joe's, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so it was really influential for me to see that stuff. And in my hometown, I never saw that. Like, my parents were... You know, my dad's a maintenance guy at a factory. My mom's a school bus driver. You know, my dad lost his job at a factory in 2008. 
you know, we almost lost our home. My friends were not in business. They did not come from wealthy families. There's, it's, it's not like, oh, th there's abundance over there. It's, it's just not a lot to go around. Let me rephrase that. There's a lot of abundance, but in terms of wealth and riches and things like that, it's hard to see. And my parents always were like, you know, they just, they're great people, but they, they struggle, you know, they ride the struggle bus and they just get, they just get through and they grit their teeth and they're getting old now. And they're just like, still like, when can we, when can we just take a breather and relax and like take a day off of work without freaking out? You know, my dad just had surgery last week, a minor surgery on his hand, 20 minutes long. You'd think this guy was going into a coma or something. That's so, so scared. <laughs> it's a 20 minute long procedure. I literally, my mom called me as I was going into, um, restaurante guy. And by the time I walked out, he was finished. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I just literally just ate lunch. Um, anyway, you know, I'm digressing. Let, let me get back on the point here is that um, I didn't see a lot of that stuff growing up. And entrepreneurship like forced me. Let me say it like this. I, I, when I discovered entrepreneurship, I discovered the thing that I was put on this earth to do, you know? And I always thought that was something else. And entrepreneurship showed me it's actually this. And that, and the more I wanted to get good at that craft, like I want to be one of the best entrepreneurs I've ever been. Like it's like that scene in Whiplash where it's like I don't want to be great; I want to be one of the greats, you know. And that's really what my life aspiration is now. And that forced me to get into rooms that blew my mind. Right? Um, I don't know if I was talking to you or talking to someone else. It's like kind of when we start, especially in the coaching world, solopreneur world, it's like 10k a month is that first big milestone. And then you get there and you get in rooms where people are like, you're making six figures a year. Like, are you okay? You know? And now it's like, you know, by the end of 2022, this is insane, still insane for me to say, but we're on track to hit a million dollars. And um, now I'm in rooms with people who are, um, I'm just starting to get in rooms with people who are doing, you know, five, 10, $20 million. And they're like, oh, you made your first million? Like, welcome kid. Hope you don't, you know, hope you don't burn out. Like, welcome. <laughs> you know, and it's like that, it, I think what I think what I'm trying to say through all this rambling, edit it out or whatever, is that like entrepreneurship forced me to be around people who made me see things I'd never seen before. Yes. And when people are like, "Oh, you know, you got to be around people or your environment that makes you think bigger." What does that mean? Like what's the process that triggers that thought? For me, it was like, "Oh, wow. This world exists. There are people who do this and make it look easy, right? There are people who make $100,000 a year and are like, "Dude, you're broke," you know? just forced me to have these different thoughts. Um, so I think it was a really long-winded way of not answering your question, but I hope that <laughs> I hope that helps. Yeah, no, it's brought up a lot for me in terms of just, when I came to Medellin for the first time, I, I saw people who were just backpacking and I was like, oh, that's my aspiration. I wanna just backpack. Sure. Cause that's, that's just what I thought would be cooler than what I'm doing, what I was doing at that time. Sure. And then I started to meet more people in the community and I'm like, holy shit, these people are making less money than me. They're having way more fun. They are doing what they want. They're able to learn Spanish, learn salsa, practice martial arts, work on a business, meet a bunch of cool people. And I'm over here working in a nine to five, 12 hours a day, um, <laughs> yeah. just, just grinding, making my cash, thinking, the same way that my parents thought that you have to work super hard to to make it to yeah. make money so to enjoy life yeah. and and just like what you were saying with your parents it's like when are we ever going to get a breath well are they ever going to get a breath because by the time that they're done finally working whenever that is when they decide okay the government's now finally going to allow me to leave yeah 
they've already built the, the synapses in their brain that they have to feel that way in yeah. order to feel normal. Over a lifetime. Over a lifetime, too. Yeah, you know? yeah it's um, impactful and, and, and kind of heavy. And um, I don't know if you, you know, I don't know a lot about your family life and stuff. I don't know if you relate, but it's like so much of this is almost like, almost like survivor's guilt, right? In psychology, if there's like an exam, uh, not an example, what do you call it? Uh, like an emergency, plane crashes or whatever, you're the only survivor. Those survivors tend to feel really, really guilty, yeah. right? And I almost feel like I catch that coming up so much in like my parents, you know, immigrant family, blue collar, like neither of my parents finished high school. They are just the most honest, loyal, hardworking people probably the world's ever seen. And what do they have to show for it? Not a lot. And here I am, some punk kid, 25 years old, didn't go to half my classes in college. Everyone, uh, you know, growing up, everyone's like, Zach, you gotta be more serious. You gotta take these more seriously, stuff like that. And um, here, like, I want, like, this thing that was a figment of my imagination, we're now attracted to a million dollars. And I feel guilty about it, you know? And I gotta catch that stuff coming up all the time. Like, no, this is okay. Like, I deserve to walk into the abundance that was created for me to claim. You know, but so much of that is like, my parents have grinded their whole lives. You know? Yeah. Why do I, why do I get to say like I made a hundred thousand dollars in a month and they've never seen a hundred thousand dollars in their lives? What about me is so special that I get to, that I get to feel that, you know. And so I, I constantly have to work through stuff like that, um, or like you said, like things that you hear, even just phrases that were taught, like you know, um, uh, you know, anything worth having is, is like hard to get or whatever that um, saying is, you know. Or uh, we call it a hard day's worth and an honest living, you know. Um, and we have all these aspirations, um, not aspirations, um, <laughs> my first English conversation in a while. You know, we have like basically all these ways of saying this stuff that we don't even realize is like rooting into our like cultural subconscious of like how hard it is to make money and how like you can either be honest and broke or like rich by stepping on people's heads right and i mean a lot of that is justified i feel from my own lived experience especially growing up in 2008 i was just going to high school and um it was like oh there are people who are like getting rich off of my family almost being homeless and my dad losing his job for a year and we don't know what to do you know, my mom had medical bills out the wazoo from, she was on her deathbed, and I remember my dad freaking out at her. Um, my, like, she was in a place where she couldn't stay awake for longer than 10 minutes, morphine out of her mind, tubes coming from everywhere. I don't even know they were, where they were connected to. And my dad's like, you gotta get back to work so that we can make ends meet. You know, and, and at the same time, there are people profiting off of that exploitation, off of the exploitation of the medical system and hospitals. And obviously there are people getting rich during that time for completely honest reasons. But a lot of people weren't. That was the stuff I chose to focus on yeah. until you know pretty recently. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, that stuff happens. But like, damn, even if it's just me in the world, I'm gonna be the example of like an honest work that is easy and fun and fulfilling and abundant and super fucking rich, you know? Um, in wealth and in terms of all these experiences. And if it's just me, which it's not, but if for anyone listening that might be in that same headspace, it's like, okay, if it's just me, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna chart that course for the rest of human history and the rest of human history will have to follow me, right? And then the more you grow in that conviction, you're like, oh no, there's a ton of people doing this. This is totally normal, right? But you gotta start with that like fierce level of conviction. Yeah, and the, the lie that you have to work hard to make money, it, it still exists in entrepreneurship. You do have to work hard. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But the hard work comes from the reprogramming yourself. 
Yeah. That's what's hard. It's not, hey, I got to scrub toilets every single day and do something monotonous. I have to train my brain to now think completely differently than everyone that I ever yeah. met has ever told me. Yeah. And I need to uh, step into my own power by identifying what yeah. I actually want. That's fucking hard work. Yeah. And I, you're, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. I think the particularly like, it's almost like insidious thing about entrepreneurship is that that's different for everyone. Everyone's demons are different. Whatever they are, entrepreneurship will bring them up. For me, um, I think something I told you at lunch the other day is I, I heard this recently and it's really stuck with me. Uh, one of my friends says, there's no such thing as business problems. There's only personal problems reflected in your business. And for me, the more that I heal personally, whenever I have a business block, it's always something that needs personally healed. And for me, like I remember the first big one was, um, you know, I, for years, I would just have like horrible body image issues, and um, I think I'm a relatively attractive dude. But I never saw that, right? It's only like other people. Relatively, <laughs> yeah, you know. Metaphysically, <laughs> spiritually, <laughs> you know, I'm a catch. I'm a catch, you know, and I'm working on it. But you know, I used to like, um, I used to shy away from a mirror every time I looked really? at it, and I, I never owned a full body mirror in my house. People would come over, they'd be like, "Why the hell do you have a full body mirror? I, I don't want to see myself in the full." Like, no, I, I leave the house, like, I, I put on my hair, that's the last time I look in the mirror, I don't want it, you know. Where, I, where, where do you think that came from? Ooh, uh, so much, so much. Um, first of all, I have, uh, not severe, but more than mild, a uh, case of scoliosis. Okay. And that developed right around the time that I was hitting puberty, right? And that's, like, a terrible time to start being, like, my body's, quote-unquote, not normal, which is this, fucking This wild. is fascinating, yeah. because I just had a podcast today with Frank. Benedetto and oh, one cool. of the people he he helped transition her business into she used to have scoliosis and now she's empowering people who have scoliosis so cool. to not allow the medical system to tell you oh yeah you're deformed yeah yeah that's crazy exactly you know um, yeah there's so much I could say there but lots of other things like um, um, for instance I feel like uh, in the places that as a kid you're told that really matter, the university, for me my entire identity was in the university. And so if I would receive criticism for one of my professors or something like that, which I mean, the university is the exact same thing as a hospital. These, these systems are like designed for the exploitation of people, you know? And so that's pretty common. It's pretty common to have like terrible abuses of power and stuff like that in, in universities. And I would just take it, you know, I, I think I'm saying all this to say, um, I, in life I felt like for basically all my life until pretty recently, I felt like there was nothing going for me except it's pretty good with women. And um, I'm a talker, I'm a charmer, right? And, uh, and I always felt like, man, I gotta be like, this is the only thing I have going. If, what happens if I like, get fat? What happens if like, I take my shirt off and someone's like, oh, is your spine a little crooked? Literally never happened to me, never going to. And frankly, if it did, I'd be like, damn, that's impressive. Like, you know, but <laughs> uh, yeah, like, you know, a car you're like, damn, you know? Um, you know, and so, so much pressure. I remember my dad, uh, my dad and I are, uh, we, we don't talk a whole lot and we never have. Um, but I remember one thing he always told me from my earliest memories of my dad were him applying chapstick to me. And he said, Zach, and this is like this one thing I'll always remember my dad saying, he says this all the time to this day. He says, Zach, a man's gotta be beautiful at all times. That's the only he life. That. That's the only life lesson my dad's ever taught me. A man's got to be beautiful at all times, and I, I say it now to people too, and I'm like, oh, I sound like my dad. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I, I've never heard any man say that. That's great. Advice. Yeah, you know, and my dad's a good-looking dude. You know, uh, good-looking guy, dude. <laughs> great skin, great hair, great mustache, everything. Uh, well, mustache has gone in his old age, but you know, um, so it's like all this sort of pressure. And I think just to bring this full circle, it was like. 
the first big block I had in my business was like, can I look myself in the mirror? Like if I'm looking in the mirror, can I look myself like, not like at my shirt, not like, oh, cool tattoo, dude. Like, can I look myself in the eyes and be like, first of all, thanks for everything you've done to get here. Because where we're going is something so special. I don't even know, but everything that happened to get here, can I look at myself and say, thank you? Some days I still can, you know, I'm working on it. Um, and then the next thing was like, can I look myself in the eyes and say like, you know, things that might sound kind of like feminine or whatever. Like, can I say like, you're, you're beautiful, dude. And like, um, like I said, I grew up in a religious household and I don't identify in that way anymore. But it's funny how much these thoughts have been coming up in my mind recently. Like the Bible straight up says like, we're made in the image of God. Like, isn't it kind of disrespectful for me to stand in the mirror and be like, you ugly motherfucker. Like, nah, dude, like, sorry, dude. Like I'm made in the image of God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Why don't I start fucking acting like it? You know, and once I started doing that side of personal healing, personal healing from um, the breakup I was getting over and personal healing from uh, family issues and friend issues and, and all these things in my life, it was like business breakthrough, business breakthrough, business breakthrough. And now it's like, I'm excited. I'm like, what's the next demon? Like, come on, like manifest already. Like throw up the hard shit. Like, you know, I got this uh, tattoo because I am kind of big into sailor culture, I guess. And um, you know, there's like that saying, smooth seas never made strong sailors. Right? And it's like, damn, I, I want the rough sea. Where's the rough patch? Where's the demon? Where's the difficulty? I want to heal it, right? And so like for the first time in my life, I had these you know, horrible experiences around therapy and psychologists and things like that when I was younger. Um, I was hospitalized for, for depression and things like that early on. And um, last week I, like, I reached out to a therapist for the first time. Really? And I was like, I'm so fucking excited just to get help on solving whatever the next demon is. Because whatever is on the other side of this is like, is going to be insane, dude. I could have never imagined the things that I feel now and the life that I live now and the people that I meet and just the thoughts that I have. I could have never imagined that this is possible for anyone, let alone me. And now it's like, we just got started, man. Like, what's what's next? What, you're, you're an ENFP, so I'm an ENFP as well. Yeah. If, if any of you guys know 16 personalities, I, I, I've had a lot of conversations with people on mental health, but I think... What's interesting about ENFPs, I, I mean, maybe I just have a bias because I, I meet many of us, <laughs> but I, I feel like there's this propensity to be able to go to the, like, to be more in touch with, with the demons, yeah. to, to be fighting with them more constantly. Yeah. I know everyone has, everybody every single day wakes up with them. There's this old Native American story I love that the <coughs> grandson goes into the woods, his grandfather is standing on a leaning on a big like oak tree he starts telling the grandson there, there are two wolves they're fighting every single day they're, they're trying to tear each other to shreds one of the wolves is a bad wolf he's filled with fear and lust and disgust and greed and the other wolf is a good wolf he's filled with joy and love and optimism and every single day they fight and the grandson looks at the grandfather and he says, well, which one wins, granddad? And he goes, the one that you feed. <laughs> and it's every single day that you wake up. Yeah. Every yeah, day. Yeah. That's the thing about entrepreneurship too, is like, it's just that idea of like feeding yourself. On one level, it's like, yeah, the knowledge of business and getting good at your craft and skills you have to learn. Um, but it's also like, you become aware of the things that you don't even realize you've been feeding yourself like these mantras around our money mindset and how hard it is to make money and evils associated with the love of money is the root of all evil and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, I think about this Bible verse that says um, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Oh, that's a verse. Yeah. In the, um, the New or the Old Testament? Uh, in, in, in the New Testament. I think it's like an Acts or something like that. And um, That's crazy. Yeah, right. You know, But then there's, you know, it depends on how you interpret these things. There's also verses like, um, this Jim, I was listening to an old Jim Rohn interview. And Jim Rohn was a Tony Robbins early mentor and stuff like that. And um, he said, you know, there's this Bible verse that says, you have not because you ask not. So wouldn't it be good if we cultivated the skill of asking? and learning the things that we are asking without realizing it. Because we're all asking things of the world, of other people, of ourselves. Entrepreneurship, um, for me, I don't think it just has to be just entrepreneurship, but for me and you, it's like, entrepreneurship is like, okay, let's tune into that. Oh my God, I realize like, no wonder I'm manifesting all this kind of like, quote unquote, shit in my life. I'm literally asking for it. Like, I'm literally asking. You know, I know you have a story of manifesting disease. I have, uh, you know, I've manifested sickness and things like that. And I look back and I'm like, you know, and not everything. I want to be clear. I think there's like a bit of like toxic high vibe, you know, culture and a lot of gaslighting and stuff like that. But that said, you know, like not everything that happens to you is quote unquote your fault. But when you take responsibility for it, it gives you your power back. Yeah. You know? Even, even if, yeah, even if you got hit by a car and you just say, Hey, I was walking the street at the wrong time. Yeah. It's like, okay, well now what am I going to do? Because it's my fault. I'll take responsibility. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to hold this person in my mind anymore i'm not going to hate them which is only just poison yeah it's just poison that you're holding on to exactly so when you just take full responsibility it's like hey i, I have to deal with myself now that's it yeah yeah it's not like i have to it's like damn i, I can to. yeah i get to i can like i have that power like cool i thought all, you know i have this i say this kind of tongue-in-cheek but i do believe it it's a lot of people say like uh, you know life, life happens to me people like take life as it happens whatever life happens to people i say life doesn't happen to me i happen to life you know like <laughs> Um, and it's like taking that of like, wow, this power is so at times heavy and makes you feel weird. And it's not all like Superman, you know, but sometimes it is, <laughs> you know, and those are the times you're like, all right, let's go. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So, so I totally, I totally vibe with what you're saying. Cool. What's, what's next for you? In terms of entrepreneurship? What's your plan for next year and, and your coaching and how can people find you? <laughs> I wouldn't be cautious about how I uh, answer this question because there are some things that I have reserved. But I'll say, okay. first of all, if you want to find me, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll trust Logan to put it in the show notes or whatever. If you Google Zach, um, Mission Driven Impact is the name of my company. I come up Monday through Friday. I post daily mindset marketing messaging tips um, to help you grow a business that makes an impact. And so if that sounds like something that's your jam, follow me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way to, uh, to get a hold of me and just to see some, some free content from me. Um, aside from that, what's next? Let me, let me put it this way. Uh, I, I'm, that, I'm that cliche that I don't set resolutions, I set intentions, right? Um, you can call me up. I've, I've never heard that cliche. That sounds pretty new age <laughs> yeah. to me. So. Uh, yeah, I'm basically over Winfrey, so don't mind me. But, uh, <laughs> let me put it like this. My intention is to step into the version of myself that is a million dollar a year entrepreneur. Cool. You know, I'm not there yet, but that's what's next. And, and what do you think I, I, yesterday I met with a very influential friend of mine. I look up to him and um, he, he helps me work through a, a couple of things that may have been holding me back. Basically like the person you see today sitting in the chair, sometimes I don't feel like I'm that person. 
<laughs> I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. You step up into this this new person, but your identity is still kind of a couple of years back. Yeah. And then at the end of the conversation, he tells me, the guy that I've been looking up to for a long time, he's like, I look up to you. Oh, like, dude, yeah, right? Yeah, it's so right. funny. Um, yeah. yeah, you're like, you shouldn't be that. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, when I was in New York, um, I had a friend who, he's my old roommate in Colorado, and he, um, it, it was actually kind of funny, he lived in Medellin for a while down in Caro, and then he um, lived in uh, Ciudad de Mexico for a while, and on his way back from Mexico, he came to New York. And we're sitting, we just, you know, I was like, had a two hour lunch. It was like in, in my work day. And uh, he looked at me and he's like, Zach, you're like, you're really thriving. And I was like, well, and that's something that I've held over myself all my life. Is like, I'm not a person who's allowed to thrive. Like, or I'll never have the ability to thrive. I'm not a thriver, right? Like thriving is for people that are happy. That's not me, you know? And he's like, Zach, you're thriving. And I just like, <laughs> I stopped and I was like, holy shit, like, you're fucking right, dude. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. I'm yeah, because usually you're like, yeah. someone gives you a compliment and you're like, no. Yeah. And you're you're trying to, to see if they're actually being honest. Yeah. But then when you start to step up into it, you're like, you know what? You're fucking right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I think it's something people can grasp onto pretty easily is like uh, weight loss, right? My mom has been obese almost all of her life. In the past, like two years maybe, has shed a bunch of weight and kept it off. Couldn't be more proud of her. You know, so I'm, I'm a huge fitness guy. And so it just makes me super happy when I see my mother of all people like starting to live a healthier lifestyle that makes me it makes me elated but you know she'll say people are like oh kathy you're so small you're so small and comparatively i mean yeah she's like a, a third of the person she was and she's like i look in the mirror i don't see it and for me too i always held like uh i'm a hard gainer i can't gain muscle i'm actually 20 pounds heavier than i was a few months wow. ago and i'm bulking again right now um right it's kind of crazy and i still you know and i remember someone um is a, a you know one of my partners she looked at me one day um She's like you're. She's like you're, like you're buffer than most men, um, than I that I usually am with. And I was like, what do you mean? You yeah, know? I've had that same thing yeah. too because I've been told my whole life I'm too skinny. Yeah, the lanky and yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh wow, like, <laughs> I guess I have been like lifting serious weights and haven't missed a workout in eight months. I guess it makes sense that I would be a little bit bulky now. Like, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, so it's stuff like that, right? Exactly what you said. You know, your identity when you look in the mirror when you sit in the chair is. Um, there's a time lag. You got to catch up, and yeah. the way you do that is, um, I there's a million ways to put it. I always say you got to outwork your self doubt. Maybe it's a good note to add. Oh, that's you, good. You got to outwork your self doubt. You got to outwork your limiting beliefs, or you know, it's like in January when I started the spiritual journey. I started much before that, but this thing I did in January, I was like, what are all the beliefs I have that are no longer serving me? You know, never realized I could ask that question, and I was like, let me just find evidence against it, right? And it's like the more you do that, either by you know. I didn't think that my business was of any value. You look at the testimonials we have, damn, we're doing amazing work. And some days I'm like, oh man, my business is like worthless. We don't do anything worthwhile. I just look at my testimonials and it's like, whoa. You know? Yeah, and you could look at all the money people have sent you too. Exactly. That's, that's a big testimony yeah, Exactly. As well. You know, or like, uh, you know, your body. It's like, I don't feel like I've lost any weight or gained any weight in my case. And people are like, oh, dude, you're pretty buff. I'm like, oh. Cool. Yeah, but then you go back to that picture of five years ago, and then you're like, "Holy shit!" It, exactly. it gives you perspective. Yeah, what you got to do in all this, in entrepreneurship, in nomadism, in limiting beliefs, in in all the stuff we've been talking about, I think um, I think that's the key thing here. That uh, you know, I hope your listeners walk away from at least at least with, from me is like you just got to move, you got to keep going, you got to look the fire straight in the face and be like, "I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to walk in there." Um, and what's on the other side is you'll be like, oh, wow, I could do that. That was the life I was called to live. 
that was an opportunity that was available to me. I just needed to say yes to it. Yeah. I usually ask for one actionable step, but that, that pretty much sounded like the, the one to take, right? Do you have anything <laughs> else? One actionable step for, for uh, current entrepreneurs or future entrepreneurs who, who want to really step into their power? Um, I think for people that are like me, maybe people that are like you, who um, I always used to need a crew around me. I'm very extroverted, um, and so I kind of got freaked out if people weren't around me. I don't like being at home, stuff like that. And I found to do this stuff, I had to force myself to be alone. However that looks, for me, I started with long bike rides or like long walks or something, right? But just be alone because that gives you enough time for your thoughts to come up. And the times when we like, um, you know, reach for weed or porn or friends or food or whatever. It's when those times are like, oh man, like let me do something to distract from that thought. Be alone. Let that thought come over you and say, okay, this is the day we're putting this to rest. Yeah, that's the action step. Be alone. Put them to rest. Put them in the grave. Amazing. Follow this man on LinkedIn. I'll put it in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming. Cool, dude. Bro. I appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate you. Sweet. We love it. Appreciate it. Love you. If you could go over to iTunes and leave a review. It helps other people see uh, that the podcast is helpful and beneficial. And we'd love to hear your feedback as well. So that would help so much. And if you know anybody who could benefit from this podcast, send it their way. Thanks, guys. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Ciao.